Hello, this is Pastor Paul, and I'm an associate pastor at Living Word Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to say thank you for joining us today, because I know the word from Pastor Doug will minister to your spirit, and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the word. Enjoy today's message. Just as I was worshiping, the Lord speaking some things to me about... uh, church, about our future, about our expectation. And I've learned one way that you move ahead with God is you forget the things that are behind. That's what the scripture says. And we don't forget the good things that are behind, but we forget the struggles. We forget the battles. We're to remember the victories and sometimes turn loose of the the process that we went through to get there. 2020 will be remembered like that. Now, it's going to be remembered as something to forget, but it's going to be remembered as something different for the kingdom of God. He brought us to the gates of a new way of living in the kingdom of God. The world is talking about a reset, and it will do that according to the scripture. The the money systems of the world, the powers that be in the world, which we know are ruled by anti-Christ spirits, that uh, the forces in the world that are anti-God, that are man-can-do-it-by-himself attitudes, all of that is rolling in a direction that is predictable. The Bible tells us what will happen in the world. But the Bible also tells us what will be happening for the church. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about everybody that just says they're a Christian. I'm talking about those who put their faith on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've come to the gates of a profession of our faith that has to be reality for us. And we we don't just say what we want to see come to pass. We believe in our heart and we take action. I I heard some Christian commentators talking uh, this week on Christian networks about the the status of our nation and, and Christians needing to learn how to rise up. And I agree with that. I agree that we sometimes have thought our part is just a, a passive role of prayer and let the world keep going the way it's, it's going. Well, the world's gone the way it's going long enough without an intervention. And that's what God has in mind. He knows how lost the world is and he knows how much, how great his salvation is in the person of the Lord Jesus that's first to be demonstrated in and through Christians, his people. Well, we're to be that people. I believe that your expectation this year should be that God move miraculously in your life to make you the candle that is removed from out from under the bed and set on top of the basket or the city that's set on top of the hill. I believe that God is beginning. In fact, he's working to do this. I feel it. I perceive it in my spirit. And I learn to listen what the Holy Spirit is saying. And I speak that out before it's apparent to people. I bring it out and say what God is saying. Because when we hear what God is saying, we know exactly how to direct our energy. And your energy is important. First, to invest in your own personal witness of who Jesus is for you. How you share that as the candle that you're taking out from under the bed and putting it on top of the, the candlestick. What does that mean is God meets your effort with his anointing. The candlestick is God's anointing, or say it this way, his platform for blessing you. All the ways he intends to move in your life, that you live with him and, and it becomes a, a demonstration, then you take what you know of him 
And you have a foundation to put it on because God's moving in your life. See, when God's moving and we have knowledge of him, we have a lot to talk about. When we don't see him moving in our life, but we know him, we tend to not talk about that. That's the candle under the bed. Candle under the bed is going to catch your bed on fire so you hop out of it. So what's about to happen? Well, that's, that's the state of this world and the church in this world where Jesus is saying, okay, it's time. He wants to have his say. He has his say through his people. So this morning, as I, I consider the, the world spiraling down, if we get caught up looking at that too much, we'll get upset and depressed and aggravated. And if you haven't had your share of upset, depressed, or aggravated, I don't know where you've been. Because that's been rampant everywhere. It's just like everybody's full of bad news and everybody's had negativity. Everybody's had difficulty. It's been a, a rough week for a lot of people. This morning as I start out, I think of all, all of our, our elders at home, many of them at home today. I want to speak a blessing out over them as I was praying for the, the, the families today with losses. I was praying about that. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me about praying longevity over the elders that they, they are able to rise up and begin to pray in what is God's plan for this generation because he has a plan and his plan is being revealed to those who will hear it in the middle of the world resetting. God's ahead of that. I want you to know something. God is ahead of what the world has in mind to bring the body of Christ low. This has happened before. When the world system put Jesus in the grave and rolled the stone over the grave and put the guards in front of the grave, God had already overcome death, hell, and the grave in Christ Jesus. And Jesus, by faith, knew when he went in, he was going to come out. We have to look ahead and think the same way. No matter what the guard is against the work of God in the earth that the enemy has tried to work, God has a plan to roll every stone out of the way. And that's what's happening. And that's who we are. We're going to be active in seeing the kingdom of God pronounced over the earth and then stand back and watch him keep his promises because that's who he is. We were singing about that. I, I love that Waymaker song. I think they're doing that because they see me smile. They know I really, really like that one. I think everybody does. Why? It's kind of an anthem of what we know in our heart we want to see. Well, when we want to see the move of God, we have to recognize he's always going to do that through people who want him bad enough. We just have to want him that much. And there's a sense of that in the house in being apart and then being back together today of wanting God that way. We're going to start out in Isaiah chapter 9 today because we're aligning ourselves with kingdom government in a world that is trying to force you to line up with the way of the world. Be prepared in, in the coming months and years for the world to want to take more and more control, the world system, over your life, over your destiny, over your mouth, and over your pocketbook. Watch for the spirit of this world to want to dominate, especially Jews and Christians, to silence the people of God in the earth, to muffle the voice of, of God in the earth, but watch God anoint you to overcome it. Expect that. Expect, Jesus said, there would be persecutions in the end, but expect that God would give you the victory over whatever's happening because he will have his way. Now, if we want to line up with his power and his anointing, we have to do things his way. That's the key as we look ahead. The world, we, we live in a world and we're subject to laws, 
but we are submitted to the will of God first. When we do that, we have kingdom benefits. We have kingdom allowances, I think of it as God's made allowances for us to thrive even when the world is putting on pressure to silence a Christian witness. Well, it's been a little bit about that up till now, but it's about to become amplified in that. When you look at all the unrest and all of the things happening, there are spiritual forces behind all of that. We don't get down on people who in their ignorance move against God. We get down against the enemy and come against him who is is the author of confusion and the author of chaos. Well, Isaiah chapter 9 is is a prophetic word about Jesus coming. And I want you to understand something about Jesus coming as a baby. Scripture teaches us that we will know the end by the beginning in Scripture. So when we look at how it was when Jesus first came in the flesh, we will see how it will be when he will again return in the flesh for the church. So much of what happened way back is happening again. And Isaiah is prophesying about that hundreds of years before Jesus was born the first time. And it should be a marker to us to understand some things that are happening around us. Something incredibly important for this year is to stay in tune with what the Holy Spirit has to say about what's happening in the world so we know what to think. Our main source is to look at what does the Scripture say and then to ask the Holy Spirit to help us have an understanding Otherwise, we will get caught up in the circumstances and the situations that the world is caught up in, trying to save the world without God, trying to save the planet without God, trying to save the future without God, trying to save the stars without God. It goes on and on and on, man's forthcoming agenda Without God, he will not honor that. The solutions men are looking for require God. So we have what it takes to bring answers. This is Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. He's talking about people that are, have an opportunity to align with God. They will dwell in the, they, they now dwell in the land of the shadow of death. That's, that's a, a kind of a picture of what I see as I pray for the world. I see a shadow over it of growing darkness, but I also see a light coming in that's growing brighter and brighter to drive it out. Now, upon them has the light shined. In other words, he's, he's talking about what will happen when Jesus comes the first time. He's also giving a picture of what it will look like the next time. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. That's an important thing to think about. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Well, we know that's who Jesus came to be. But I want to point out the government will be on his shoulder because that will be a role we take up in the coming years. He's not talking about the world's government. He's talking about the governance of the kingdom of God that will set the stage for Jesus' soon coming return yet again. There are some things that have to happen in the earth. Hi, buddy. (laughs) He's talking to me over there. Between verses 6 and 7, 
there's a gap. I want you to think of there being a gap there because he's talking about a a time of, of chaos and confusion and separation will come in the earth. Light's going to come into the earth and darkness is going to be put back to some degree. But when the people of God don't rise up to be the light of God in the earth, darkness begins to prevail again. And we're seeing this fight back and forth that people are wanting to draw a a line to it being caused by political unrest. Not so. It's caused by spiritual warring. It's caused by God has a plan that has been pronounced and the, the seed of that plan was planted in the earth when Jesus came the first time with all the answers that we would need to succeed. But then the spirits that are in this world are pushing back. That creates chaos. That creates conflict. And that is a moment we're in again. When Jesus came the first time as the baby that we celebrate and we we had the Rogan lit the star this morning, turned it on for us because it's the light of God coming in that we celebrate in this season. It happened the first time Jesus came and, and the wise men came to seek him, but then there was conflict and there was chaos because Jesus came in the middle of what was then the, the Roman Empire in the earth dominating the scene and it was man's system. Man's system was taking over the world and they came as close as any, any group of people ever did to ruling the whole world then. So if the government is to be on Jesus' shoulders, how interesting that the world powers that be right now want a one-world system of government, and they want to take it off the shoulders of Christ Jesus and put it on the shoulders of fallen man. When we put the government on the shoulders of fallen man, it will fall. When we allow our governance to be on the shoulders of Christ Jesus in the middle of all the falling, we still succeed. I want you to see yourself as an exception, light in a dark place. See yourself as an exception in Jesus being your Lord. His outcome is predictable and promised in the scripture. That doesn't mean we don't have to live here and deal with the chaos and confusion. It means for me at the beginning and end of every day, I focus on my master and I say, you've got me and you've got this concerning me and I'm going to stick really, really close to you and you're going to help me make a difference for others. Now, this is the prophet Isaiah. He says of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. What does that tell me? That is a promise to me. In the middle of the world trying to dictate and dominate everybody, and come up with the plan of man, Jesus saying, oh, no, no, I'm going to keep increasing. Jesus is going to keep increasing. What does that tell me? There's something great about to happen for believers who will trust him because he says there will ever be an increase of his governance. What does that mean? For for Jesus to govern our lives, it means we do things God's way. We choose to look at what does the scripture say and go, oh, I'm going to do it that way. It's the very way that will be contrary to a lot of the world because it requires us to lay down our life rather than live selfishly. It requires some things of us that are so different from the world that Jesus is literally telling us at the end of of the, the, the sermon today, he's telling us that we are literally going to become his example in the world. Be prepared 
for Jesus to live through you more than you ever thought he would. I still marvel sometimes at thinking, Jesus, you chose me. I'm just still kind of blown away by that. The more he chooses to live through me, the more I get blessed by seeing that and thinking, okay, you know what you're doing and you do need me for some things. Understand his design on you. He needs you to fulfill his kingdom. And part of things going right in the earth is going to come through you. It's not just coming through knowing a promise. It's coming through we will make decisions that honor God. We will do things that roll the kingdom forward in the middle of a dark world. And we become then the standard bearer for what God wants to do. The standard bearer, I think of standard bearer in the Olympics, the one that's bearing the torch. Get ready to be that. Scripture says we would be a kind of firebrand for God in the last days. That means your life will be on fire, but you will not be consumed. Well, I, we, we want to think, well, I hope it's a God kind of fire. No, it's the world's kind of fire. But you're God's kind of fuel. You're not going to burn up with what, what's going on in the world. You're just going to shine brighter. So in the middle of all of this stuff going on in the world, we lay claim to the promise that says, God, in the middle of darkness, my life is getting brighter and lighter. That means everything before you is getting clearer and easier to understand. I believe for those who will believe the word today, your direction will become more clear than ever before. Decisions will be more easy than ever before because we will look to God's standard and go, oh, it's obvious what I need to do. I love to know that God's plan for my life, his plan to bless my life is obvious. He promises that for his children. He says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. In other words, we're going to have more peace, not less peace. Well, that isn't going to come by listening to the news. It isn't even going to come by listening to the Christian network's news. <laughs> it's going to come by what you do when you're done listening to the news. <laughs> you say, Jesus, what do you have to say about my life? And tuning into that frequency long enough that we're reassured and we're settled and we're happy and we occupy until Jesus comes again. That doesn't mean get by. That doesn't mean survive. That means to thrive until he comes again. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom. Now here, here's what he says Jesus is going to do through his people. To order his kingdom and to establish his kingdom. I, I could prophesy here, but I'll reserve it for open worship. Because it will flow out of me differently in, in that setting. But I'm going to tell you, God is about to offer opportunity for greater order in your life. That means to line up with what he has to say about you, what he has to say about me. Think of it this way. There's a part of your destiny that is divine, that God set up before ever you were born, that he is moving to fulfill by revealing it to you. And it's a matter of beginning to ask him about that because he is not waiting till the world blows apart to establish his kingdom. We are here to be doing that now from generation to generation. And that's what the spirits of the world are so desperate to fight against. That's why 
The COVID crisis has been used as a cover-up to hush people, keep people apart, and shut churches down and other things. Other righteous efforts and righteous relationships to divide them from one another, to not hear the voice of God speaking through the pulpits of America. That's about to shift. There's either going to be a reprieve on God's part or a rebellion by his people. I don't know which. But I know that one or the other is on the threshold as I pray. God's people praying cause things to happen. And it gives God something to work with to move and make things different than they were before. And I'm not giving up on any of that yet, just to tell you, I am not. When I go to pray, there's not lesser anointing and more discouragement. There's more anointing and less discouragement. And that's where we ought to be right now. This doesn't sound overly Christmas-like, but this is a Christmas message. All right? Increasing the light. To order it and to establish it with judgment and justice henceforth forever. Then he says it's how it's going to be. In other words, he's rolling out justice and judgment. And in the meantime, we're going to establish his kingdom by ordering our life right. One way we do that is put him first. We've talked about ordering our lives right. We're not going to go into that at length today. Today is to stir faith in your heart that as Jesus desires to come back again for his church, there's going to be revelation in you personally. Your candle is going to burn brighter, and there's going to be a moving in of God's candlestick into your life to elevate and create change. Uh, More than what we think of when we think of God's favor, he is producing the witness of Christ through you. Tell him how you want that to be. How can God live through you as an example of Jesus? Begin to talk to him about that because he will move in the anointing. What does that mean? That means what God has that we can't get from this world to make it happen. God has what it takes. He has designed what it takes for each person. Now, after he does that, He'll establish his kingdom by all of the people that do that are going to be used of God in the great latter-day revival. First, an awakening. You know who's going to wake up first? Not the world. The world will, will not wake up first. His church will wake up first by saying, I know who I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do. You know, I, I remember listening to kids as they're, they're growing up. Just suddenly they wake up and one day they know what they want to do when they grow up and they run down and, and tell mom and dad and they're like, eight years old. (laughs) I think, okay, we'll see what happens by the time they're 17 or 18, if that still sticks. And most of the time it didn't stick, but it set them on a path toward discovering something that was going to stick. Or kids get in college and declare a major and change it three times before they graduate because they keep discovering something more and something new that they didn't know before. We need to look to our relationship with God like that. There's some things that we just don't know yet about ourselves that we haven't discovered because we've not talked to him enough about who he made us to be. And when we begin to do that, we're going to be inspired and motivated in ways we've never been inspired or motivated before. Something you should know about motivation, it isn't what gets you going. It's what happens after you start getting going. Motivation comes. You think of it, uh, I teach it this way, I taught it this way in a corporate setting. You always embrace your morning by doing the top five things you least want to do that, that require your productivity. Do the five hard things first. Because you'll always do the five easy things because you like them and they're easy. 
So you do the tough things first. Why do we teach that? Because it's true of human nature. We are not motivated to do something we don't like until we're at least 20 minutes in. We choose to go in and embrace something that we don't like to get it done, even though we know, oh, if I just do this one thing, I'll feel so much better. Or the house will look so much better if I just do this and this and this. Or for me, if I just get out there and lay out all the drop cords, the Christmas lights will go up. Why? I really don't like doing that. I really don't. It's not my thing. It's my, my Lucinda loves it, okay? She can't go out and do that. And she doesn't engineer the, the drop cords very well. I know just how many amps are on which breakers and we're pulling out of the garage and out of the basement, out of under the porch and all over the place to make it happen. But if I get out there and I lay out the drop cords and I go to the attic and I bring down all the stuff and I lay it out, the ladies take over and I'm so glad. Why? The lion's share is it takes a lot of time to arrange lights. The engineer's part is just lay out the power cords so everybody can do their job. Understand what God's doing regarding you right now. He's laying out the power cords for what he intends. But we then have to have vision enough to hook up with him and say, all right, I'm going to bring down the other elements of this. And then we look at the cord and here, they would look at the cords and say, that's the heavy, heavy duty one. That goes to the great big Christmas tree that has, I don't know how many lights on it. But I said, you just only plug the tree into that or you will be blowing breakers all over the house. Why? You will know what God wants to do through you in this coming year by the power cords that he, and think of it this way, his people that lead into your life, words that come to you, ability that you already have, he will begin to create a connection between you and his dream. Don't look for the one between you and your dream. Look for the connection between his dream and you because that's where the power will be. And you'll find when you connect to that, he has something more glorious than you expected in your future. I want you to think that way. I want you to meditate about that. I want you to understand God is not about done. He is engineering a great end to the earth time that we're to be a part of. There's never been a more blessed generation than the one that gets to work toward Jesus' return with all everything in the world looking like it could be any time. We should see that he chose to put us here now because he knew we would discover his power lines into our life and we would plug into that and become something more than we could ever be any other way. That's what Isaiah 9 is saying. I want to look at Isaiah 58, the same prophet talking about the same things. Because if we represent Jesus in the way that he wants, we can expect special provision. We can expect his power, his direction. We can expect a, a, a knowledge of, of things to come for our lives that, that our lives begin to make sense. Think of it this way. He'll give you an edge you won't get any other way. The world will become so chaotic and confused, people will not know what to do by logical means. We will have to know by what's the Holy Spirit showing us to do in day-to-day -day living and making our decisions. And when we individually do that and the light increases, the power of God in the body of Christ in the church becomes more evident. And I believe this, the church will become the most pronounced voice for God in the earth she has ever been in the days ahead. We have to determine that's part of what God has planned, that the whole world will know who he is and what he does before he comes again. Now, 
Isaiah 58, beginning in verse 9. Then you shall call, and the Lord shall answer. You shall cry, and he shall say, here I am. He's talking about a dark season. He's talking about what we should be doing when we see the situations of the world right now. When I hear a little bit of news, and I do, I'm listening more than I really have probably my whole life, keeping up with some things. I don't listen to be moved by it. I listen to be moved by the Holy Spirit. And I will talk right back to the TV and say, oh, no, that's not going to be the outcome in my life, what I hear them saying. That's not going to be what happens in the body of Christ. Why? There is a separation. I talked last Sunday, and I'm so glad to not be looking at a screen and get to look at you, and you're nodding, and you're shaking your head, and you're... Thank you for that. And you can even say amen through the mask and it'll be muffled, but I'll know what you're saying. It will be all right. <laughs> Why, it's so much better to be together. Why, there's an engagement of the Holy Spirit when we're together that's far better. I'm sorry. I try to produce it looking through the screen and imagine you're all there and it's just, it's not the same thing. So when we come together, uh, we, we want to know in this hour what God's wanting us to do is call on him just the way Isaiah is pointing out. This is toward the end of Isaiah. He is pointing out what will happen when we come into times like this where there's an increase of darkness. We call on him until we hear him say, I'm right here. And whenever he says, I'm right here, I camp out. Why? If when he's identified, he's there, and I've heard that he's there, he's hearing my prayer, it's time to engage in some things. And here's how I would engage the master. Lord, what is it I can do for you? How can I represent you? Something else I taught in corporate culture nationwide is how to represent the company, how to represent the boss. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me is the principle. So my opinions are not nearly as important as my boss's opinions. And think of it this way, Jesus is the boss. If we want to get down to really what makes sense in the hour ahead is let him be the boss. Why? He knows the outcome that he promises and how we fit in it. And I want to fit in the glorious uh, end that he has in mind if indeed it's the end. And if it's not, I'm just going to fit in and move in things closer to his return, whatever he decides it is. But when he engages me and I hear him, I camp out there. What does that mean? It might be when you're praying or worshiping, you just know the presence of God comes over you. And you perceive that he is near. That's when I quiet down and say, Lord, I'm listening. I'm just telling you how to engage the person of the Holy Spirit in a more meaningful way. Because when you hear the voice of God for you, nobody really can mess with that. Because you know you just heard from the Lord. It's something that, that discouragement can't take away. It's something that helps you push away discouragement. Just knowing a little something from the Lord. He says, if you will, he gives us some instruction, a couple things that, that we're to do if we want to expect this special provision. We don't just get blessed because we say so. That's kind of been stretched into a, a, a doctrine that's not exactly true. We do what pleases the master, then he takes care of us. That's what it means to make him Lord. He says, if you take away from the midst of thee the yoke. And he's talking about our church family. But you can even take it beyond that to your natural family or people that you're around. 
He says, if you will take away from the midst of you the yoke or putting bondage on somebody else, creating difficulty for somebody else, or the pointing of the finger and speaking vanity, that means we, we don't fuss about each other, we don't point the finger at each other, we don't point out weakness. Did you know there, were, there was a whole generation, I kind of came up at the end of that generation, the church was mostly about pointing out who did what wrong that week and their need for repentance. And the, the younger people just sort of emptied out of church because <laughs> they felt like all the time they were being made an example of somehow. That doesn't win people to Jesus, and I'll say it this way, and God doesn't approve. God doesn't approve. And so what we do as a body of Christ when we come together is we have none of that. Why, he's telling us how to hear from God in a dark world. He's telling us how to not be a part of the darkness, how to not let the flavor of the world get over on us. Because a lot of times when we're doing that, it's to preserve this. Or we're pointing out what somebody else said because somehow it makes us feel better. He's saying none of that. You follow me? All right, that's condition number one. We break any alignment with the accuser of the brethren. Any alignment. That means past, present, and looking ahead. I don't think I can trust them because I'd break that. See, I, I trust the Lord with all my heart, and I lean toward trusting people. I work at it. Sometimes you have to work at that. Then he says, secondly, and if you will draw out your soul to the hungry or make yourself available to people who are needy. Oh. <laughs> and satisfy the afflicted soul. In other words, go right into the person that's being tormented that doesn't know what to do for themselves. Then shall your light rise in obscurity. That means out of nowhere, direction will come. Out of nowhere, revelation will come. Out of nowhere, you'll see clearly what's going on around you. Out of nowhere, you will see what the enemy had in mind, and you'll put it in check before he gets away with it. Your light will rise in obscurity in the midst of darkness and confusion and chaos. Well, I want and need that to happen in every area of my life, and I want it to happen in every person's life that I know, let alone everybody that I love. For them to have the ability to know right from wrong and make right decisions and right choices that God would empower. And your darkness shall be as the noonday. So he's saying there's going to be something outward that happens where you're going to know what to do. But then he's talking about darkness on the inside. He's talking about sin or weights that so easily beset us that are going on that we're thinking, God, I want victory in this part of my life. He's saying when we reach out, he's going to give an outward vision for us to know what to do in taking steps and make right decisions, but he's also going to do an inward work where there's something dark on the inside. Sometimes forgiveness comes that way. If you've ever struggled with, you have said you forgave somebody, but it does has not gone away on the inside. I'm going to tell you this is how you move past that with the help of God. You begin to minister and reach out to people who are afflicted and know that God's going to establish some things before you and set your path straight. But you can, be, you can have great direction and great success and be miserable on the inside all at the same time. 
And I have known and do know many Christians like that that have a secret suffering or a secret darkness that, that is plaguing them that they want free of and they can't talk about it. Well, if you really, really don't ever want to talk about it with a person, this is the key to your freedom and deliverance because others can help you. But if you don't want to turn and share with somebody else an area where you're struggling because most Christians are too proud to do it, quite frankly, we are then to do what he's saying to reach out to others in ministry and help. And he will open things up for us to make a, a straight path to success, but he will also do an inward work that wasn't happening any other way. I want both. I, I don't want to do things, wonderful things for the Lord and then show up and he says, well, Doug, you did a great outward expression of me, but I wanted to do this inward work in you that you just, you wouldn't let happen and I can hear the argument now, but Lord, I ask you to do the inward work again and again and again. But, I, but he said, but you didn't let me do it the way I wanted to. Why? Our personal deliverance comes when we see to someone else's personal deliverance. Our freedom and liberty increases because Jesus sees that we have sown a seed to reap a harvest like that. So I want to tell you, whatever it is that you might be struggling with, and this world is full of pills to make you struggle. This world is full of things to make you struggle. Why? It, it, it's the spirit of this world trying to take who God has put his stamp of approval on and, and cause us to accept disapproval. God doesn't disapprove of you, but we disapprove of ourselves when there's something dark on the inside. And we don't even want to hear that God wants to use us somehow because we have disqualified ourselves. So in this, he's saying he will fix all of that if we will let him. Why is this an important Christmas message? It will set you up for success the next year in your walk with God where probably you have had a floundering season this year or a difficult season. Many Christians I know have had a struggle to, to stay faith-filled and joy-filled in the middle of chaos and confusion and difficulty and challenges and everything that's happened this year. So what do we do? We look for what does God say will break that? Looking to our inward self and saying, God, fix me is not what's going to do it. But when we step out to fix an obvious problem and help somebody that's in trouble for him, he works on the mechanics in us. And we're enriched and we're made better. One thing that I think God wants to overturn in, in, in the church, not just at Living Word, but in the church in general, but especially in the American church, this is not a relationship that God gave us for us to be selfish. This should be the point of generosity in our life where we're first thinking, what can I do for Jesus that, that presents him to others? How do I represent my boss to others? How do I live in a way that, that, that what I'm saying and what I'm doing matches who I want to be on the inside, even if I'm not fully that yet? We choose generosity before we become generous. We make a decision to give before God calls us a giver. And when we begin to make that decision, then God sets us up to be able to continue in generosity because it's something that happens in the kingdom. It's a kingdom principle. It's not reliant on this world. It's reliant on the blessing of God. Well, I, I believe in the, the coming year, he'll give people answers and ideas and inventions in ways that are easier instead of more difficult. Why? Well, we need that. Now, 
If you will do these things, if you will draw out your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light will rise in obscurity in the midst of darkness, confusion, and chaos, and your darkness will be turned into the noonday. In other words, there won't be any darkness left. So he's telling us, be, be, be generous and helpful to people who are in trouble. I'll keep quiet about that for now. The next verse, verse 11, four provisions God tells us we'll have. We do two things and we get four significant results. And the Lord shall guide you continually. Why? Our, our, our outward outlook on life and outward expression of life is lit up. Why? Because we're doing for him, he will maximize our ability to have wisdom and make right decisions. The people of God should be the most crafty people in the earth, the most on top of things in the earth. That's who he made us to be. And satisfy your soul in drought. What does that say? Rather than thinking your desires are going to get all dried up by this new reset of world economy, say, oh, no, no, he's going to satisfy my soul when nobody else is being satisfied. Now, I don't know how he's going to do all that. I just read it and say, oh, that's what he's going to do. I believe that. I believe that he's going to continue. Why? Your, your soul is your personality. Why you like what you like and how you like it. And, and if you get to know me very well, there's certain things if you say, well, pastor, why? Say, because I like it that way and I want it that way and that's how we do it. <laughs> why? Just, just because there are a few things I'm that strong about. Most things I'm not that strong about. Honestly, I let other people do it how you want to, just get this result. But there are some things that I've learned, the best result comes by doing one, two, three, in that order, quickly and completely, and then standing by and praying, watching it happen. Now, why am I sharing? He said, he'll guide us continually. He'll satisfy our soul in drought. You're not going to stop things from drying up in the world. We're not going to see man come up with solutions. We're not going to see man curtail climate change. Are you kidding? It's a deception of the devil for people to think that they can take over the planet without God who created it and make it right. And I'm not saying not to be a good steward. I'm all on that. I'm all about that. I, 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 I am to some degree an earther. Take care of the place. You know, we got to live here. It's kind of like if the kids had a messy room, I'd say, you just stay in there. You created that little mess. You can live in that little mess. Eat your meals in there, and we'll bring you a bedpan in there. If you don't clean it up, you can just stay right in there. Say, really, Pastor? Yeah, absolutely. Why? That room gets cleaned up quick. Nobody wants the smell of a bedpan in their room. Say, what an awful example. No, it's a great example because that's how a lot of Christians live. And they're one little room of mess when God's got a whole mansion life for them to live in. If we will just bring order to our chaos, we just clean up our little messes. And make healthy your bones. Well, in, in scriptural times, they knew if the bones were healthy, the body was healthy. So what's he saying? He's going to give us a strengthening. He's going to give us a healthfulness. I believe that. I believe that our answers to prayer come in just lining up with being the light of the world and doing what he wants with that. And you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose supply will not fail. I want a supply that will not fail of everything. If I'm going to live for the master, it makes sense that my boss would give me what I need to do the job he hired me to do. Think of it that way. When I first started, started working resort, one of the things I had to do is plan ahead. Three months, plan ahead for all kinds of supplies and everything to be moving in. And the supplies would stack up, then the people would come and the supplies would go down. 
You had to learn how to move in an atmosphere that was about to have a demand put on it. Understand what the Holy Spirit is busy doing right now. He's lining up and opening up the supply lines into the chains of command in the body of Christ that will get things done for the master. And the supply will come to those who stand in command of what the Lord Jesus is saying to do. And he will begin to align supply and command, not demand, command. He's going to line up his supply with what he's commanded us to do. And then if we put ourselves in there, we create a demand on what he's commanded, and it comes our way. So I want you to understand something about prosperity. It's not God's obligation. It's his plan. But his plan works when we line up with what he wants us to do. So I, I would watch as, as supplies would go down. I would look, is there anything going down faster than it should? And if there was, I'd look for abuse on that supply. And I, we had a, a certain kind of aerosol spray. It was very expensive. It was $5 a can. That was very expensive in 1987. Okay, still expensive, $5 a can. And it was just to go for certain things, certain jobs to make things go really fast. And when I would watch and see any one employee take more than one can a week, I knew I had a problem. And I'd say, what you using that on? And uh, I, I won't use the name because I could get in trouble for promoting a product, I think. That's how guarded it is. But anyway, so what are you using that? Oh, I'm just using it what I'm supposed to. No, you're not because you, you, you're cleaning this much a day and you ran out. Understand, one of the most marked things we know about our Heavenly Father's outlook is stewardship. He's looking for what are we doing for him with what we have Every week, there's a, there's a time in the week where I just give myself over to just, just praying that Lucinda and I make wise decisions and praying for our families and different things. And I always present what we have back to the Lord and say, Lord, everything we, we have is yours. Reveal what you want us to do with it, what changes we need to make, what will make more of a difference for your kingdom. In doing that, I have a sense of security that comes over me that whatever I need to do his bidding in the earth and then someone, he wants our soul to be happy too. He'll give us desires too. The key to getting desires is don't desire them more than you do the will of God. Then our desires are perverse in God's sight if we want that more than we want what he wants. Now, as the world spirals into darkness, we look to Jesus. And I want to end with something he said in Matthew 5. This is Matthew 5, beginning in verse 14. You are the light of the world. You are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. He's telling us what I believe is a key in going into this next year with the right heart and a right attitude is understand you are, we are who God has to demonstrate Jesus. And he wants to. He wants people to experience the love of God and the goodness of God, the healing power of God, and see the supply line of God channeled into your life because you're representing him and not representing you first. Begin to think this way. Whatever God's given you, consecrate it to him. 
Whatever dreams you have for this coming year to to prosper and, and be in health as your soul prospers, expect that. But expect that God is bringing it to empower you more to be the candle on the candlestick that everybody's going, well, they're doing okay. They're doing okay. You know, regarding the Christmas decorations, we, we like things like that. I just don't like having to go through the rigmarole of laying them out. But the town, went into, the town went into a mode this year. They felt like people were very depressed and upset in our area, and there'd been a lot of difficulty, and COVID was very rampant when we came into to December season around here. So the village board got together with the merchants and they said, we need to inspire people in our town to go all out and decorate because every year people ask, are you gonna, are you gonna decorate the house? Because we don't always get it done. There have been a few years, it just didn't happen. We got candles in the windows and that was it. It was like, we're, we're being the light and that's all you're gonna get right now. It's all there was time for. But the, the several people in town said, surely you're gonna do that in a contest. Surely you're gonna do that. And I recognized something because they, the, the town equated Jesus' birthday with the preacher with doing that. How funny that would be a witness, but it was. Understand that the little things that you're doing, when you bring God into it, are going to become a witness. I, I, I want to point out what I see as I'm, I'm teaching this morning. God's got the candlestick. That means the, the, the candle stand. And he's got you. And you're lit for him. He's brought salvation to your house. He's wanting to marry you to his anointing. He's wanting to elevate your life. He's wanting to elevate your candle because it gives him glory. It gives him glory that his people become uh, demonstrators of the truth become lovers of people, become those that reach out. When we talk about the food baskets, that's, that's one of the things. We do that to let people see Jesus as generous. We put little tracts and little books and little goodies in there for, for people to read, knowing many won't come to church, but you know what? Many will read a little book on Jesus becoming your Savior and pray the prayer at the end. Why? Because they recognize what the Holy Spirit will move because somebody put a candlestick and a candle together and did something for the kingdom that let God move through a simple element like that. Why do we do that? It goes clear back to when I was a little kid. We did that as a family. That was one of the big things we did. And we would go out then as kids, little kids with our parents and deliver them in the community. And I remember taking shoes to kids that had no shoes around here. I remember that and it indelibly marked in my life a desire to be able to help people. We want to demonstrate Jesus the obvious ways by doing on the outside. But understand, he wants to demonstrate himself to you by doing the work on the inside. And this morning, I believe that work on the inside, I believe that we're at a point right now, I'm going to pray that God expand his kingdom inside of you. I'm not in control of what you do with it. You are. But what you decide to do because Jesus is living big in you will be better than it's ever been before if, if he's able to expand the kingdom inside of you. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for our church family. Father, for every person in this house and those listening online today, that you are preparing us for years ahead of walking with you in a closer way and being the people you supply 
your blessing through to the earth. Heavenly Father, that requires some supernatural doing. But we know you have the ability and you have the desire. So, Father, come now and do an inward work in our hearts that we have more of the love of God abounding on the inside of us than ever before, that our eyes are alert to what it is you want us to do, that our ears hear what your Holy Spirit is saying. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us a new and creative anointing that will break the yoke of bondage that's come on the world and tried to come on families. It will, we will break out of the restriction that the world is trying to put, put on uh, Christians particularly. There will be no restriction, and we will not feel constricted. The squeeze will not be on believers by this world in this house in Jesus' name. Now, Father, thank you. We'll not be subject to that, but we are subject to the inward working of your Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we ask that your, your holy fire come and burn away what needs to be burned away, expose what needs to be exposed, and heal what needs to be healed in Jesus' name. Our Father, I thank you for every person and every family here coming into a fullness of, of covenant with you this morning to walk more closely with you than ever before. And Lord Jesus, we know you are pleased and we know we'll be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm looking forward to the next weeks together and pretty much resolve this. We just need to keep church open, don't you think? I do. Thank you for coming out. Love on people well. Uh, respect. We're still respecting distance. There's still a lot going on out there. And think of this as you're praying for people this week. Our older folks are much more challenged and much more concerned and have a lot more of a, a, a mental battle as they're going through this season. Be in prayer for God to preserve a, a generation. And I'm going to tell you what God's, there, there's something happening in the earth regarding that too. There is a generation now to rise up to take a greater place in the kingdom. And we're going to be talking about that more and more this year, our place in that. And our expectation in that, because when you know God's got something for you to do, it's easy to believe God for the supply for what you need to get it done. God bless you as you go. Amen. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that Ministry at Living Word Church is possible. You can get more information on our website at go2lwc.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's Word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of His Word.